So good morning, everyone. And if you'd open your Bibles to Galatians chapter five, starting at verse 16, and we're going to talk about the fruit of kindness. And the title for today's lesson is kindness and hope. I want to talk a little bit, um, as time permits, about depression. Galatians 5, 16, and I have the New American Standard Bible. And this is our theme for the year. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh because the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please to do. Now, verse 19, now the deeds of the flesh are evident they're evident to all of us, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions. It keeps going. Oh, my goodness. Factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and um, things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then the amazing, but I love the buts in scripture, but, but the fruit of the spirit with a, a capital S, this is God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, God, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things, there is no law. And so today we're going to focus um, on kindness together. It's used in different translations of the Bible as goodness, also as kindness. Um, and from those of you who uh, like the Greek Strong's Concordance, it's number 5544. And there are two parts to the definition. The first part is, um, and it's just it's such a picture of God, moral excellence in character moral excellence and character. Um, and this refers to the virtue um, that God does share with us if we're believers, um, and it pervades and penetrates the whole nature. But that's obviously who God is. His nature is good. Um, and I think about the scripture in Romans chapter three that says, um, there's none good but God. And I encourage you to, um, to go and read a chapter, well, one through three, three later today, it says in Romans 3.12, all have turned aside together. They have become useless. There is none who does good, not even one. And you know, girls, on a human level, you may be a very good, you know, because we like to compare ourselves to other people. You may be very good, but then there's a one day we'll, we will all stand or bow before the holy, perfect God and hit the comparison. Girls, there's there's none good but God. So, um, and as believers, it's God's plan that we become more and more like Christ um, and more like this. And kindness is one of the virtues that is to be part of our life. And the other part of the definition uh, is benevolence, which is um, kindness to mankind, goodness to mankind, and also graciousness. Graciousness. I have come to love that word because I know some gracious Christian women. And um, they're magnets to me. I, do, I just want to um, hang around with them, be with them, spend time with them. And for this part of the definition, I thought about what it does, what kindness does. And this is what it does. Um, 
It mellows anything harsh. It is gentle. It's winsome. And I like that word because I think of the word winning, um, which is persuasive to other people. And of course, we're, we're part of, um, to be part of God's plan to win souls, which is incredible to me that he uses us these uh, just amazing so, so it's gentle it's winsome and also calm and it signifies not just a quality but adds action as part of the definition kindness is a lot i think that's why um especially since i've been to christown um women who are kind that know the word who've been personally kind to me are i just they're a magnet to me one other thing is the base of this word means useful and I'd like you to think about how useful kindness is to you when you experience it. When you experience a really kind act from someone, and unfortunately it doesn't happen enough these days, but anyway, it just makes the whole day better. And sometimes it makes the whole week better. Um, and I think of it as, I think the Lord means for us to think of kindness as a ministry. And you know, um, Titus 2, it's very clear. Uh, our first ministry is in our own home and our first, our closest neighbor is our husband. That's where it's to really, that's um, where it's real, right? That's where it's real. So uh, the definition for Noah from Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary defines kindness. And I like this dictionary because it's a whole different time. The language was, um, our, our language today has been so influenced by the culture and not in a good way. So that's why I always go back to Noah, who was a, an amazing Christian, and that dictionary is full of scripture. So this dictionary defines kindness as having tenderness or goodness of nature, uh, benevolent, which again is the love of mankind, accompanied with a desire to promote their happiness. Uh, it's a kind act gracious, disposed to do good to other people, to do good. And again, I always like to think of to doing good is um, useful. You know, Carol, is what you're doing and putting so much effort in, is it really useful? And, and with that, it, it has to be pointing people to the Lord and to his word. And I like to pick um, favorite synonyms or antonyms because they give me a picture to help me focus my mind. Okay, yes, right, that's the correct uh, direction. So my favorite synonym is the word tenderness. Uh, and this is the synonym for kindness, tenderness. And um, this proceeds from a tenderness of heart. You know, um, I just sometimes have to look at my heart and think, you know, Carol, you're, you're hard hearted about this. This it's not good. And I know it's the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, moving and uh, uh, drawing me to himself. And I think of that scripture in Ephesians chapter four, near the very end, um, which says, be kind, kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And that is um, through the cross and through the death of the, his perfect, holy God, uh, son, um, that's how we are acceptable and can be reconciled through the blood of the cross to God. And it's God is kind. Um, many, many um, things I think of in that scripture, uh, which where God is telling us, the word is telling us um, to love your enemies, mm -hmm. love your enemies. And then part of it is God is kind to the unthankful and evil. 
there's a, there's the standard. It's like, okay. So, and I like to think about, you know, forgiven. If we're born again, God has forgiven us through the cross and the work that Jesus did on the cross. So we are forgiven people and forgiven people forgive. And I um, know of family situations that have gone on. And it's the one that I can think of the most is between two sisters professing Christ who've held a grudge and not spoken to one another for 30 years. And they both have families. And so you know what that family dynamic looks like, right? There's no conversations there. It's just like, in uh, girls, it's a red flag. And yes, there are some things that are so hurtful. Um, well, it takes tenderness and God's work in our heart to forgive people. So um, but that's where tender, the kindness comes from, and tenderness is from a tender heart. So today I wanted to share some tenderness tools with you that have really, really helped me recently. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about change as Christians, don't we? We talk about changing ourselves, or um, sometimes when we talk with our girlfriends, we're talking about, what we're really talking about is changing our husbands, which of course is not our job description. Um, but as far as ourselves, it's being changed by God. And we think about it and talk about it a lot. And sometimes I don't know about you girls, but it's overwhelming to me. And I just, I give up and uh, it's like I throw in the towel. And um, what, mo what comes to mind is that scripture, uh, Miss Rita and I uh, worked on, I think, well, we still talk about it, is Luke 18, one, which says men ought always to pray and not give up, turn coward, or quit. And those are all the things we do as believers. Like they're, yes, I give up. Well, and thinking about it recently, and I think it might be different in different seasons, but what motivates me is more about the why. Why should we desire to be changed by God? And recently I thought about this and I've come to the point where I am just tired of maybe a lack of kindness, whatever it is for, uh, for each of you, but I'm just tired of this. There's a lack, Lord, in my life. And um, wow, it's no longer acceptable to me. And that could also include, maybe it's no longer acceptable to your husband, like, hmm, or your best friend. You know, girls, things that we just know are not right. And um, how do we know that? Well, sometimes it's other people pointing it out to us, and sometimes it's not in a very friendly way. Mm -hmm. Or there's the most important is through reading the word and the Holy Spirit ministering. And you know, sometimes I walk away from a conversation like, you know, Carol, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a little off. So um, just time to change. So on this topic, before I go through any of the tools is um, I want to include my mathematical equation. And I want you to know I'm a mathematical genius, <laughs> not. Um, Effort equals blessings. Our effort related to time in the word and time with the, uh, with the Lord is a blessing. So any of these tools that overwhelm you, it's just not the right time or not for you. Um, but I know when I heard this, oh, about uh, nine months ago, it's like, wow. So I think the source of this is the Navigator series, which is probably decades old. And it's called the ABCs of Scripture Study. And um, we'll give credit to the Lord because he knows where it first came from. It came from him. So um, what it is, is about taking a book of the Bible in the New Testament. And uh, Ephesians is amazing. Ephesians is an incredible book. Uh, what a blessing. So pick a, 
maybe a smaller book of the Bible and then go through it. You're going to go through it and I, and you're going to need some paper. And I have a little notebook where I keep this together. Otherwise all, everything gets easily out of control and the ABCs. And we're going to start backwards with the letter E. So as you go through this process, um, E is for extract the essence of each verse by paraphrasing in your word what that verse means. Extract the essence. So you're writing out the verse, paraphrasing it. And it would be maybe one or two verses a day. And if you're just starting, you might just start with one. Um, and then it's to begin to ask the Lord to build the habit of, Lord, I need to do this every day. And um, again, it's well worth the effort. The E is for extract the essence. And D is note any um, difficult passages or what may appear to you to be a contradiction or a question you have. And I just put a little D over in the right-hand column and I circle it. And um, so you're gonna note any difficulty that you have. And then C is change. What needs to be changed or what's the personal application? And um, that's usually marked, well, I mark it with a C and also I mark it with an asterisk because that brings me to B which is the best per verse in the chapter. And girls, I encourage you to memorize it. And probably not in your paraphrased version, probably in the version of the Bible that you read, because you're trying to get all of it. B is the best verse in that chapter. And then A, give a title to each chapter. So let's go back to memorizing the verse, because that has been the biggest blessing for me. And it's about repetition. It was repetition to memorize things when I was young. It's still repetition. And um, so I have gone through the book by God's grace of Ephesians, and uh, there's at least one verse in every chapter. And I try to, uh, well, I usually go through this based on my own personal need, uh, maybe a couple times a day. And I just go through starting in chapter one and go all the way through chapter six. And um, it's not that many verses. And even to memorize a verse, girls, this is so encouraging because this is where um, God works in our hearts, you know, the scripture that it divides uh, between bone and marrow, it, the word goes right to our heart and it and Lord knows what we're um, sad about or struggling with or mad about or whatever. So memorize this and you honestly will be so encouraged. And here's one in chapter four of Ephesians. And every time I get to this verse, I um, stop, it, it takes my breath away even now. And it's, um, he says, I, Paul, uh, the prisoner of the Lord. So he was in prison for the gospel. I mean, Paul had such a difficult life. Um, talk about that scripture. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Paul had an amazingly abundant life and not how we would consider it today. But it's, again, how does God look at things? So I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that means beg, beseech you to walk worthy of your calling. And that is, um, if you're born again, you've been called by God. It says, scripture says, uh, we cannot come to him unless he draws us. And um, uh, so our lives should look different to other people. And um, it should be obvious to other people that you're different. And unbelievers may not like that difference. But um, we'll go on in the lesson to talk a little bit about that being kinder. So am I doing everything I can to, you know, we have word of the light, children of the light. So I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of your calling. 
And um, then it goes on in the next verse, verse and defines what that is. It says, this takes my breath away, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, endeavoring to keep the unity of the, bond, the unity of the body in the bond of peace. There's a scripture that gets my head lined up and helps to line up my heart. That's how we're to live every day with all humility and gentleness, which is graciousness with patience, endeavoring to keep the unity of the body and the bond of peace. And girls, unity is about throughout the Bible, obviously as uh, um, believers. And also if you're married, your great desire is that you be in unity, you and your husband and his is also. So um, it doesn't mean we always agree, but it's being kind in how we disagree. So that leads me to the next tool, which is tender speech or kind speech. And girls, I'm reading an excellent book. Um, this is The War of Words by David Tripp. It was recommended to me and girls, well, this is not an easy read, but it is an extremely important book because we do not realize how um, we are communicating with more than just our words all day long and the importance um, that God uh, puts on it and the standard that he sets. So Jennifer mentioned recently, and I usually do when I teach, you know, uh, there's a spiritual battle going on and it's going on daily. And uh, David Tripp points out in his book that this is a very long battle. And that helped me. I don't know why I just, I, I was like, wow, yeah, it is. It's a very long battle and we need to understand that. And the battle is between our flesh and God's spirit living in us. Um, and it's going to go on until uh, he takes us home or, or until he returns. And for some people, my mother-in-law is 97 and is still alive. That's a long time. And um, who knows whether we're given that much time, but that's a long time. So um, it's just about the reality of it and that we must engage in this. Um, and I call it a process. So Open your Bibles uh, to 2 Peter uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 3, 2 Peter 1, 3, which says, here's a good one to memorize, his, meaning God, God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. He's given us all things. And I love the um, amplified version. It says absolutely all things. He's given us everything we need and he resides in us if we're born again and we have what we need to live the Christian life. Um, so let's go back to Ephesians and uh, the tool of kind speech. And here's one of the verses. Um, I, it's in chapter four also. Here's God's standard. And this is one I go over every day, which says, let no unwholesome speech come out of your mouth. Okay. Okay. Stop right there. No unwholesome speech, which is corrupt, um, meant to hurt, ugly, sarcastic. What is Jennifer's word? I heard Jennifer say it for the point it was snarky. Yeah. Wow. That's all unwholesome speech. Let no unwholesome speech come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. This is a big job, right? This is a huge job. Actually, it's an impossible job. Only as we learn to walk in the spirit, which then results in God's fruit, 
is this possible? So let's break it down. Only speech that is good for edification and that speech that, because um, I usually like to look at the antonym first, it's speech that does not destroy the relationship, but rather builds it up. And we're not saying untruthful. We're talking about a kinder way to say something. <clears throat> and it's a speech that's according to the need of the moment. And I thought about that and it's like, well, that ends up being for me less words. You know, it's, all this is not needed, Carol. Um, and then the goal, it's to give grace to those who hear. Oh, wow. And um, this is possible, girls, because it's in the word, but we'll talk about how. And this other scripture that's really helped me, and I think I probably share it every time I, I get to share with you girls. Uh, Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always, I have it in caps, be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how to answer. So um, always, this is the standard, all our speech is to be this way. And then as though seasoned with salt, and if, um, for one thing, we know salt preserves. And also, if you think about um, eating, which we spend a fair amount of time doing, um, trying to eat an egg or popcorn with no salt, oh, kind of like, why bother, styrofoam. So salt preserves, and it also, um, I think about this first, it makes, uh, it's winsome, it's winning the speech that's with grace in terms of experience by the other person. And then I think so that you will know how to answer. So if I'm going through this process, abiding in the Lord, tuned in there as I'm talking with someone or going to respond to someone, um, I think why no, the spirit gives you answer. So you will know how to answer. In other words, you don't need to say any more, Carol, or uh, there needs to be a kinder word. So let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how to answer. And I have to tell you girls that my husband loves this scripture. He loves it. He said, I just can't believe the difference, Carol. So girls, this is possible. It is. And um our gracious speech will be experienced by other people as winsome. And it makes me, again, think of winning or persuading people. And my personal goal with related to um, other people, not my husband, is that when I walk away, well, also with my husband, is that they're drawn to Christ. It's not about drawing people to me. It's about drawing people to Christ. And um, that may not seem that way right, be apparent to you right away from the other person. But if the other person is honest, they will say, you know, she's a kind woman. Uh, I don't agree with her, um, but she's a kind, she expressed herself kindly. So I just wanted to share this incident that happened recently because it brought it so clearly pictured to my mind. I had the, um, an interaction with a convenience store clerk very early one morning. And I went with uh, one goal, which was I was out of half and half uh, to get a cup of coffee with some half and half in it because it's just, it, why drink coffee without half and half? Well, she was rude. She was very rude uh, while she was being paid. And, um, and rather I, than just caving in and paying for the item and walking away mad and then throwing, for example, the coffee in the trash. So this time I spoke up and um, what came to mind later, and it wasn't a lot later, was the precious Holy Spirit uh, and the reminder is, Carol, have you done all you can to keep the relationship open 
so that if you ran into her later that day in the parking lot or you um, or the next morning, would you have an opportunity as far as your part of the relationship to share the gospel with her? And from the interaction that took place that morning, no, I can tell you no, I would have helped shut shut that down before it ever got started. So, and um, it's being kinder. And so you have to spend some time praying about it. It's like, okay, Lord, what would be kinder? How could I have said that? What could I have done differently? And God will does answer that. And I'm so grateful for that. And I haven't had the opportunity to, and I like to call practice uh, with her again. I haven't run into her again, but I'm sure uh, the Lord will give me the opportunity again, because uh, this needs to change in me. Another tender tool and girls, this is one of my favorites and I want to call it kind listening. And I want to share this with you because again, I think it's spirit filled. And I heard this from someone, I'm not the source of it. And uh, if you just write down H-E-A-R on your page and uh, we'll go through this acrostic. The H is for heed or hold on to your emotions. And so you're listening, think about yourself in a discussion with your husband, maybe on a topic where there's tension. Um, And uh, this is about your listening and we're not training him how to listen. This is about us being trained by God and how to listen. So the only is heed or hold on to your emotions and to, and just listen to what you're hearing. E is empathize, empathize with the other person which means you have to stop and think and put yourself in their situation and listen from that viewpoint. You can do this. I know you can, Um, but it takes a willingness to, it's like, okay, Lord, wow. Think of, wow. First time I heard heard this, I was pretty well shocked. So not in a good way. A is ask questions, ask questions. So you're trying to understand what they're really saying um, and ask who, what, when, where, how, but don't ask why. Why, especially when I ask it, is uh, comes off too confrontational to the other person. I think it might be like, why in the world would you do that? <laughs> no, this is not what this asking questions is helping to understand where the other person, and you're also helping the, under, the other person to be heard. Um, so A is ask questions and R is reflect back to them what you've heard reflect back to them what you've heard with no embellishments and no opinions. What you're saying to them is tell me more. Okay, tell me more because I'm willing to listen. And I I hope you'll start this with your husband um, and see what happens. Because again, that's our closest, um, most important neighbor. Or um, if you're single, uh, maybe that child you're having difficulty with wherever, but I, girls, I really encourage you to start doing this because um, I was shocked at how little I naturally do that I do not do this naturally. I don't. And let's go through what I think most of us do instead. Instead, rather than holding on to your emotions, do you react? And think about the last tension-filled discussion you had with your husband. Do you react? Rather than uh, empathizing, with the other person, are you focused on your feelings rather than his? Because I am, I'm very aware of my emotions first. Wow, it's kind of a very selfish thing is what I came to realize like, wow. And um, 
rather than asking questions to get more information and to allow the other person to talk more, do you say, I don't need any more information. I know exactly what to do. And you may not say those words, but um, by interrupting is what I have done a lot of in the past. <clears throat> I know exactly what to do here. And what I'm saying when I do that is I am God. It's really serious. Like, oh, wow. And um, rather than reflecting back to them what you've heard with no embellishments, no opinions, I realized that are you very opinionated and do you love to embellish? And girls, I do. When my husband brings up some something, um, I'll add to it. I said, oh, and did you notice that? It's like, oh, like, no, just stop doing that. So tender, um, this here is uh, hearing, is it tender and kind or is it harsh, judgmental and opinionated? And um, I just want this so much for myself and for you and girls, this is possible. So let's talk about another tender tool, which is keeping a kind reputation of your husband with other people. And um, Proverbs 31, 11 and 12, a scripture I'd encourage you to memorize if you don't uh, know it yet by heart, that says, this is about the wife of valor. Um, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She does him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Wow. And uh, I, um, one version of this scripture says, um, her husband's heart safely trusts in her. Wow. He takes my breath away and lacks nothing of value. And he lacks nothing of, he lacks nothing of value. And um, anytime you are out with your friends or a group of women or your best girlfriend and um, resist, walk away, turn a deaf ear, um, definitely do not engage when, when they start talking or we start talking about our husbands, comparing them to other men, uh, criticizing them openly, um, laughing it's like girls our husbands know we do these things and it's very hurtful to them um you owe it to your husband to uh not to discuss him in that way and even um in a counseling situation with another um godly woman is you know be circumspect about what you're sharing we don't have to put it out in all of our emotion and drama and all it's just you know talk carefully about your husband and um, there's much fruit in your life from that because your husband knows um, and if you're younger he may not comment on that right away but over time my husband has and it's like wow I didn't even know he, know he they notice they notice a lot more than we give them credit for girls they do they're very sharp um, and this brings me to kind intimacy the next tool well it's probably not a tool uh, that might not be the right word, but, um, you know, we talk about sex at Christown because God speaks about it and it's very, very important. Girls, just be available to your husband. And when he comes up behind you and touches you, please don't shrink back. Um, think about what could be, what would be a kinder response in this situation, you know, um, because we can totally, he can feel totally rejected by us or we can, um, communicate in a kind manner and the response can be kind and where it's really responsive uh, can be you know later that day 
but uh, we just need to be, it's a very important topic. Another Tinder tool, uh, and I've mentioned this woman before, and I call it Kind Cooking. And it's a YouTuber whom I have come to love. She is such a kind woman. And I think she probably is a Christian. And she's, I think, a very good homemaker based on the little. And I've watched her quite a bit. Uh, and it started during COVID. And it's uh, she is Rachel Cooks with Love. That's how she says it. Rachel Cooks with Love. And she uh, cooks uh, Mexican food. Well, uh, incredible. And I have bought my own grinding stone. And I'm not going to try and pronounce that word. But it's a result of Rachel. And it really does make a difference. And it's not a lot of hard work. But anyway, um, the kitchen is not my happy place, girls. I could completely live without cooking, oh, except for you know scrambling an egg and making a piece of toast. However, my husband and most men really do like to eat. And uh, Rachel has helped me because she does cook with love. And she expresses love and her kindness as she's teaching you how to make this uh, whatever it is, whatever recipe. And um, she often mentions her husband. She said, my, she calls uh, him my Ron. And I, she's the first person that I ever uh, put out a response on YouTube. And it was, um, I told her that um, my Wes loves her cooking also, her recipes, because I tried a couple of, I tried several of them. And I was going to give them a, give you a copy, but I thought, well, maybe not everybody's interested in this, but I recently tried her roasted tomatillo chicken soup. Wow. Because I tried tomatillos uh, several, several times and I thought, okay, I must be doing something wrong. I'm going to try this one more time. And there's two clues in her recipe uh, that they're delicious, but you have to know what those those are. So it's roasted tomatillo chicken soup, which is delicious, her recipe. And also recently I tried her chicken con calavasitas soup, which is gray squash. Everybody loved this one, which is a winner, right? A winner if everybody loves it. So it doesn't, you know, girls make an effort. It's not about when, um, Roxy shared her testimony near the beginning of the year, and I laughed when she shared this one thing. You know, I cooked for him yesterday, and he wants it again today. And, you know, men just, it's important, you know, and their bodies are different for ours, and it doesn't need to be a Julia Child's five-course meal. It just needs to be some home cooking. So if you, uh, if the kitchen is not your happy place, start with a goal of, you know, two or three um home cooked meals a week is where I'm gonna start and get started there. And um, you'll be blessed also, if you will. So I wanted to touch on humor because uh, humor makes everything more tender, it does. And um, I was gonna share a picture of a friend of mine who uh, she told me she walks her cows on a leash and I could not believe that. And all I had was this picture in my mind and I, I asked her if I could share this and, um, and she, well, of course it's not humor to her. It's, it's important to her, but I even, I uh, showed my husband the pictures. I said, she really does. <laughs> anyway, um, it's not about making fun of someone. It's just like where, wherever there's um, a, a way to go to lightness and making things easy, easier in this, uh, this hard world, you know, girls look for it because I'm very serious by nature. But I can tune into humor and I'll tell you, humor is one of the things that drew me to my husband, his sense of humor. And every now, every once in, once in a while, now and then he says something and it's like, oh, I just look at him. And I mean, we, I, now I just laugh out loud 
because um, I don't see it as much anymore, but we can bring humor too. And just uh, Carol Jones is one of the funniest people I have ever met. And years ago, I remember we went offside to do a Chris, uh, Titus II workshop and we drove and I was new to Arizona. Well, I'm still not the best. I sort of tend to head out in the direction of where I'm going. Well, you can't do that in Arizona because it just doesn't work. You need to get out a map and look at things. There are washes and bridges that aren't there. Anyway, on the way home, we were laughing so hard. It was just, she just says they're funny. So girls, just, if this is an issue for you, just ask the Lord. Um, Lord, help me with a sense of lightness and to bring some humor to things. So um, I want to talk about the source of kindness and um, the one scripture that says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, which is the most important thing for all of us, is that we are born again. But it's God's kindness that leads us there. And that, so obviously it should be um, a quality of virtue in our, in our lives also. So I want to talk about the how to, and that's the last part of this lesson today. And um, part of the lesson is based on this book by Andrew Murray called Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. And I, um, this book, uh, I think was written about 1900. He was Dutch, uh, opens up uh, a secret to me anyway, and it's about how much, if we're born again, we are in Christ. Christ is in us and learning how to rely on that. And let's turn to uh, John 15, John chapter 15. And this is about the vine, because um, if you think about it, and this is something Andrew pointed out in his book, is that there's um, much in scripture uh, and Jesus' words about come, come to me, all you are uh, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we're weary and heavy laden, first and foremost, by our sin before we come to Christ. Um, and then also, uh, Jesus talked a lot about follow me, deny yourself and follow me. And then at the end of Jesus' ministry in uh, John, where he's, you know, informing his disciples and obviously informing us. Uh, he talks about abide and girls, I would encourage you to, um, to memorize parts, but you know, I call this scripture chunking where you look for a portion of scripture and they go together, you know, they fit together. We cannot take one scripture out of the context of where it's written, um, and apply it. And sometimes the Lord uses it and applies it in that way. But I think it's important to really go and look at, wow, this is what this means. So John chapter 15, um, and this is uh, Jesus speaking. He's telling his disciples, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman or the gardener. Every branch, and that's if you're born again, we are a branch. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it or prunes it so that it will bring forth more fruit. And um, that is our purpose here, girls. Ultimately, our ultimate most important purpose is to glorify God, to bring beauty, to bring honor to him and to his name. Um, verse uh, four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself 
except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. And I don't know about you girls, but I live a lot of my life, including as a believer. And wow, I'm trying to do it on my own. I think um, I've got this. And there are teachers that teach us um, supposedly in the church that, you know, we've got this. Uh, it's like, wow, girls, that's not what scripture says. It says, abide in me and I in you, because the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. Five, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. And I have to tell myself this uh, sometimes multiple times in a day, especially based on whatever's going on. And um, verse six, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Um, seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done to you. Wow. Herein, verse eight, I love this. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And um, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. And that word continue is abide, abide in my love. Verse 10, more information. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And I love this next verse. These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And he ends with, this is my commandment that you love one another. But that verse 11, I was thinking about um, a trial that our family is going through. And I've been aware of, you know, there's not a lot of joy, Lord. There's not a lot of joy. And the ant, the key is here in this portion of scripture. Oh, wow, Lord, we are not abiding. And um, the Greek concordance, um, it's 3306 for the word abide. And there's two pieces to this, which is really so beautiful. One piece is to remain, to remain, to continue. That's what we're to do to continue. And then verse, the second part of it, this is so beautiful, is to be held, to be kept continually. And this is the vine holding on to us. And thinking about that is, um, is that my purpose to live, to glorify myself? And that, I know that sounds harsh, but I have to ask myself those questions. Um, and girls, again, it's not possible apart from the word. I can be very busy doing a lot of things, being involved in a lot of ministries. Am I abiding? Am I remaining? And of course, um, it's not possible apart from Jesus Christ. And we must be born again. And we can't separate. Um, I like to say it this way. We can't separate Jesus and the word of God. Because many there are places where he is called the word of God. And we know the word is eternal. So you can't separate because sometimes I um, or could have said this about myself too. Um, people professing Christ and their lives, um, you know, there's, there's no um, openness to what the word says. And I think of submission as one area. It's like, hmm. But I digress. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about discouragement because I'm running out of time. Girls, um, we're going to have seasons. We're going to have times of, of just 
depression or discouragement. And I know um, for some people, they may struggle with it all of their lives. There are amazing examples. Um, the word is one I wanted to mention today, and that's Job. I treasure your word more than my necessary food, which is daily food, daily nourishment. I treasure your word. And I think about it. How many times do you miss a meal in a day? Busy young moms, you probably do. But how many days do you go without eating at all? Probably not too many. So um, how many days do we go without nourishment from God's word? We will not be healthy branches. Well, it's not part of abiding. We have to be tuned into the vine and his word. And another one I wanted to um, share an example one, uh, thinking about it, someone really struggling is uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, you know, and how much that woman has suffered and continues to, it's like, wow, she continues to abide. So I want to um, end with the last part of Andrew's book, to maintain the union, and that he's talking about the vine and the branches, it's the very work for which Christ has all power in heaven and earth at his disposal. The blessing will be given to the person who trusts his Lord for it, who in faith and confident expectations ceases not to yield himself to be holy one with him. And um, just one other sentence here, because he talks about um, in our one, wondrous faith, wondrously simple, wondrously mighty, the soul learns to abandon itself entirely to the keeping of God's almighty power and the actings of his eternal life, because it knows that it has the spirit of God indwelling within it to communicate all that Christ is no longer looks upon it as a burden or a work, but allows the divine life to have its way to do its work. Its faith is increasing, increasing abandonment of self and the expectation and acceptance of all of um, the divine love and the power of the glorified one wanting to perform it. So um, we're out of time, girls. So I'm just going to close real quickly in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for your great love for us. And you are an incredible um, vine and an incredible husbandman, Lord, in your precious Holy Spirit that ministers to us. Lord, if there's anyone in this room today or hearing that is not born again, I pray, Father, they'd go to John 3 and allow your spirit to minister to them. We must be born again. And Father, I pray that you would make us the kindest, most gracious women on the face of the earth. And we know um, that you can do uh, much more than we ever expect. And we look to you, Father. Thank you for this opportunity in your precious name. Amen.